Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Anybody got uh, grandparents still living? Anybody got some grandparents still living? Man, grandparents are awesome. I, uh, I had the pleasure of getting to know all of my grandparents, which was, which was fantastic. And I remember as a young, young child, um, my grandparents, Dot and Pappy. Now, it was the thing that I, you, like a lot of times you got like names for people, right? It's like grandma and all that, but mine was Dot and Pappy. Did anybody have one where they actually called their grandma just straight out by their first name or a nickname? Anybody have that? Am I the only one? Anybody else? What, what was yours back there in the way back? Luther, you just called him Luther, that was it. Everybody called him by his first name. What you got, Logan? Bobby? All right, Luther, Bobby, Dot, anybody else? It was the weirdest thing, but I didn't think much of it because as I grew up, you know, it was just Dot and Pappy. I'd always go to Dot and Pappy's house. That was just kind of the thing. And it was really cool because they lived close to us when I was growing up. So I got to see them a whole lot of times, and, and it was just awesome. And uh, I would go after elementary school, and uh, my grandmother Dot would watch me after school. And so I would actually walk from the school to their house every day, and then we would go and get Captain D's. You guys ever eat Captain D's? It was like a really big deal to me because we got Captain D's. It kind of explains a lot. But anyway, we'll let that go. I love my time with Dot. She spoiled me. We'd go get Captain D's, and then we'd come back, and she'd cut the hush puppies in half, and she'd put a little butter on them and then put them back in the oven. Oh, my God. It explains a lot. <laughs> and when Pappy would get home, he'd always come in, and he always had just a massive pocket full of change. Always had a ton of change in his pocket, and he, he would lean in close to me, and he would always give me a quarter or two, and it was just so special to grow up with Dot and Pappy. I love that time. I learned a lot about myself. You know, I learned a lot about what family and love look like, and I learned a lot about how I get to treat my grandchildren, right? To really spoil them. It's awesome. But one of the most important things I learned about myself, of being what's a Simpkins man or a Simpkins in general, is all about, actually came from their basement area. All right, not creepy or weird, okay? Just go with me on this for a second. Their basement was a masterpiece. It was a masterpiece. As you would walk into this basement, it, was, it wasn't a theater room, and, and, and no, it wasn't like a gym that you would work out in. Their, their basement was an Amazon warehouse before there was Amazon. I don't know if this is like a depression era kind of thing for folks, but like they kept everything you could possibly keep, a, keep think of, they would keep, like bottle caps. Why? Bottle, I have no idea. But occasionally you'd see one like used as a patch on a tool or something like that. I mean, like I understand why you would keep all these things. They had everything you could possibly think of, and they had tons of it down there. Extra socks? You need socks? We got you. You need a mattress for your house? Which size mattress do you need? I mean, it was all down there, and it was all organized so perfectly and beautifully, and they had this, like, tower. It was like a glass box, and it was a tower of different size Ziploc bags. And I thought to myself, this is what I dream of now. Every time I go looking for a Ziploc bag in my house, we never have the right size. Anybody got me on that one? Like, I, I went in, I was looking for, like, I've got, we got to have some extra bags, and I go in, and, and I need um, just like the, like the, what is this size? Like a, like a, like a quarter, quarter, what is it called? Quart. It was called a quart size. I knew that. Shut up. And I go in there looking for this size, and I got snack bags, and I got sandwich bags, 
And then I have three gallon bags. But they had them all. And it was amazing. You always had what you needed. You can't find it up in the top of the house? Go down to the basement. You can find anything that you needed down there. Always got what you need on hand. Now, I still, funny thing, I find that this is like, um, this is sort of the Simpkins way. I didn't, I didn't realize this as much as I got a little bit older. I found that as you find something that you like, uh, you buy three of it every time. Am I right, Dad? Yeah. You find a great toothbrush? Three. You find a great deodorant that you like? Guess what? Say it. I always laughed about it. We've always laughed about it as a family. But I always have what I need on hand. I run out of my deodorant. I got a couple extra. When I get down to the last one, guess how many I order? Three. Yeah, you got to have three when you find it. And if I don't find what I need, because I'm a Simpkins and I've got a Simpkins that lives in town, I get to go to Dad Depot. <laughs> it's a beautiful and wonderful thing. But for some... Have an extra on hand isn't a good thing. Sometimes it's too much, the desire for more and more and more. And it's not about having an extra deodorant on hand when you run out. It's about filling a void. To have that extra around me because I got to fill a void, a need, something that's not healthy. Now, sometimes it's filled with helpful things, great accomplishments, things that you've worked hard to put aside and make sure that you've got extra. But sometimes it's filled with hurtful things. And we, for some reason, have this insatiable need for more. All of us do. We're going to look at some scripture in Genesis. This really begins our whole walk through the Bible. Um, this I'm going to read, and then I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit so you get the fullness of this. But uh, if you like stories uh, and you don't want to read along, just close your eyes and, uh, and listen to the story from Genesis. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and everything crawling on the ground. Then God said, now I'm going to give you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds and all the trees that produce, whose fruit produces its seeds within it. These will be your food to all wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes. I give all the green grasses for food. And that's what happened. God saw everything he had made and it was supremely good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. But it didn't stay like this, did it? Somebody say no. Let's skip ahead into chapter 3, verse 8. During that day's cool evening breeze. I love that intro to this part. It's like everything was going well. It was like one of those fall days that we are praying will happen soon, Lord. 99 degrees yesterday. It's September. Cool evening breeze. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God in the middle of the garden's trees. Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? The man replied, I heard your sound in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? 
<laughs> and this is when like the parental instinct comes in, right? When your kid comes in and says something real wacky and you know that there's something more to it and you're like, now wait a second, who, who told you that you were, did you eat from the tree? Did you eat from the tree? I'm pretty sure you ate from the tree which I commanded you not to eat. The man said, the woman gave it to me. <laughs> she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. Anybody have siblings? Anybody have siblings and you were ever this? They came in, parents came to you, they said, are you the one that did it? Oh, no, 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 it was, it was um, my brother or sister or one of the two, it wasn't me. The woman gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, the snake tricked me <laughs> and I ate. Everything changes in this moment. The Lord God made the man and his wife leather clothes and dressed them. The Lord God said, the human being has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, so he doesn't stretch out his hand to take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to farm the fertile land from which he was taken. He drove out the human. To the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed winged creatures yielding flaming swords to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. We, for some reason, have an insatiable need for more. Think about this story, right? God sets them in the garden. It's beautiful. There's like, I'm sure, like chirping birds and little frogs walking by saying, hi, Adam and Eve, how are you today? And they go along their merry way. It's like a fairy tale with beautiful clouds and rainbows and all kinds of cool stuff. Well, actually, there weren't rainbows yet, technically, but don't call me on that, all right? Just imagine the scene. It's beautiful. They got everything that they want, everything that they need. They've got plenty. They even got what we would call like God-sized providence. That means that it was God's great abundance that everything was there that they could possibly need. Everything was there. Why in the world would they do that? Why take a chance on losing all of that? There's an easy out in the words of the great Dana Carvey. Could it be Satan? That was good. That was for my 80s people. Nah, it's easy out. I mean, in scripture, sure, Satan, absolutely, but, but, but going in deeper and thinking about what this part of scripture is and how it was written and why it was written, we have to go a little bit deeper to think about the entirety of the story that's happening here because this type of writing was less about history, right? and more about story. It was less about chronology, about how everything happened, and way more about theology, about understanding who God is, and understanding the relationship that God had with God's creation, and the kinds of things that we did that sort of messed that whole thing up. Regardless of the reason, we just know that it happened. What we glean from this story is that there's a loving God who created all. Everybody say amen. And there's one God, not four or five or whatever. Everybody say, amen. amen. And God is willing to share and provide, and everybody said. But for some reason, we walked away. We chose ourselves 
over God. We chose our own providence over God. We chose our own thought and mind and reason over what God was willing to give us. We chose to create our own path. We chose to cut our own way through the jungle rather than relying on a God who said, I will make the path there for you. It doesn't make sense. Why would we choose brokenness over providence? Where does it come from? It doesn't make sense. But that drive that we sort of have that we can't sort of understand why or what it is, it's within all of us, and it's consistently trying to drive us away from God and toward ourselves. It's an insatiable drive to not need God, to rely on ourselves, to think, I can stand on my own two feet. And brothers and sisters, if you're walking with me, even in the slightest bit right now, I want you to say yes. Where does it come from? It doesn't make sense. Most of it, though, we surround ourselves with all kinds of stuff. Stacks and stacks and stacks of it. Most of it we don't need. Matter of fact, it's not really that good to us because we start kind of boxing ourselves in with all kinds of stacks, stacks and stacks of stuff that actually drive us ultimately away from God and in on ourselves because we've got the basement, the masterpiece of everything we could possibly need at our fingertips gives us the illusion that we've made it all happen. See this stack right here? Can y'all see it? Everybody see this stack? Say yeah. This is my savvy business dealings. (laughs) I made some great decisions. I bought Google in 1990. I did not, but I wish I had. It's my savvy business dealings. And they've just multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. And it's this fancy stack that I can stand next to and put my arm on and look at everybody and say, check this out. This stack right here. (laughs) Anybody see Napoleon Dynamite, Uncle Rico? If they just put me in, we'd have won state. It's my high school championship. This was that moment where everything clicked for me, where I was 50 pounds lighter than I am right now in my playing weight time. This is that great stack, and it was amazing. And I got pictures, and I got trophies, and I can put my arm on this and know that nobody could touch me back in high school. That's right. I had it all together. This is my stack there. This stack here is my amazing kids. Anybody else got some amazing kids? Say yeah. Yeah. Not as amazing as mine. (laughs) It's my fancy job. This is my title. This is my slick ride over here. Y'all didn't know I had automatic windows. (laughs) It's my big house. This is my well-respected and wonderfully manicured lawn. You could play golf on my lawn. All my great accomplishments. Boy, you see them? And they're stacked up high. And they're beautiful and they're strong, and they're right here in front of me, so much so that I can't really move a whole lot. But I forgot to tell you about some of my other stacks. This stack right here, I'm not as proud of. But this stack right here is all the things I hoped I was going to do with my life. All the dreams that I had, I, I, I knew if, if, everything had just, if everything had just worked out right, this, this stack wouldn't be here. But it is. Ah, oh, this stack right here. I don't even want to tell you about. This stack right here is all the relationships 
that I've upended. I was hurtful or a bully or a racist or I was scared. And this stack behind me is all the people I let down. <laughs> Some of us buy in bulk, don't we? Some of us buy in bulk. We're at the Costco of failures. Anybody with me? Got job loss? Yep. I got three. <laughs> got divorce? Yep, I got. Got broken relationships? Yep, I got. Got hair loss? Oh, uh, uh, yes, I got. Got weight gain? Yep, I got it, I got. And we just stack it up box on box on box. Stacked so thick that we can't see or breathe anywhere around us. They almost are even on top of us. But this right here in Scripture is where the story turns. See, see in this Beautiful story. It's right after creation's happened, right? This is on the sixth day, so, so everything's there, and there are Adam and Eve in the garden, and everything's wonderful, and the birds are tweeting, and the rainbows, and the unicorns, and all of that great stuff is happening, right? It's beautiful and fantastic, and then all of a sudden we said, no, this is not enough. We want more. And we turn away from God, and we start to walk away to choose our own providence, to choose our own stacks that are going to make us feel good about ourselves. But this is the craziest part in Scripture. God turns to. God wants us back immediately. And God's pursuit of us is relentless. And that, brothers and sisters, is what the entirety of Scripture is about. That's what the entire story is about. It starts right there in that moment. That as soon as we turn away, as soon as we choose to turn in on ourselves, God chooses something differently and runs after us, pursues us. And God's love for us is relentless. It's nonstop. And God knows the end of the story. Fast forward, all right? We're starting out in Genesis. But we're going to fast forward all the way to the last book of the Bible. And the last book of the Bible is altogether now Revelation. Revelation. Chapter 22, verse 1 through 5. And then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street out of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life and its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And its leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Anybody seeing an interesting bookend to what we just read a few minutes ago? It started in Genesis and it's coming back together in the end. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship. They'll worship him. They'll see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. 
They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord of God will be their light, and they will reign forever. Now, if you're an introvert, you can opt out on this, but if you don't mind, turn to somebody in your family or somebody close to you and ask if it's okay if you put that cross on their forehead. Just trace it with your finger really quick. Just trace it real quick on somebody close by to you. The name of the Lord is written on our foreheads. As we are gathered into the waters of baptism, right towards the end of that service, we, we take the child or the adult and we say, you have been marked with the cross of Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit forever. There is nothing that can ever take that off your forehead. That God loves you so much. And God's pursuit of you is relentless. This gathering of scripture is the story of us for sure, but even more, it's the story of what God is doing, who keeps pursuing us. God won't settle for an empty garden. Somebody say amen. God who sometimes has to knock down the stocks, the stacks to find us. What if perhaps, I'm just thinking about this, what if perhaps as you're standing in the middle of this, you're thinking, all right, pastor, that's really cool, but my stacks are more like the second round of stacks you said, and I don't feel like all those great accomplishment stacks are there. Or what I thought was there has started to crumble and fall down, and I kept thinking, what if perhaps the reason that your stacks are falling around you is that God wants to get closer to you? Maybe it's God who wants to get everything out of the way, so all of those things that you thought that you put together weren't actually you at all, but your need for God. What if God just wants that time, that relationship, that attention with you? What if God just wants to get closer to you so that you can breathe again, to move those stacks so you can move around again, so you can finally live? Whether it's the accomplishment or the hurt and the loss, God's pursuit of you is beyond relentless. God's love is unending. God's providence is always enough. You need forgiveness? Guess what? what? God buys in bulk too. Somebody say amen. We need grace. Yep, we got how many? Three days in the tomb worth of grace. Somebody say amen. amen. We need help in time of need. God has more than enough for us all. So maybe today, I'm getting fired up church because this is the most beautiful good news we got here. Come on, somebody talk to me. Maybe today we got to start letting go of more. Start looking for God in the already. Start seeing God who's already in pursuit of you. Return to the Lord your God, for God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's from Joel chapter 2. That's one of the most beautiful parts of Scripture. God is ready to make sure that you've got enough. So instead of creating stacks of junk, Come to the Lord. When your stacks start to fall, come to the Lord for enough daily bread, enough grace, enough forgiveness, enough healing, enough love, enough peace, enough hope, because God won't settle for an empty garden. And God, God wants stacks too. God wants more too. But God wants more of us. More of you. More of us. And that's the good news. And that's the rest of the story that we're going to start to begin. 
is God's relentless pursuit of us. Pray with me if you would. God, your love and life, grace and forgiveness, you bring the fullness of all those different boxes and pieces we start to stack up of our lives. You push them out of the way to come in close to us. In the very beginning of the story, we started running away. Why? We don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that you started running after us and you do to this very moment, to every single breath that comes forth from us, you are still in pursuit of us and you reveal yourself to us in the most full and wonderful ways. God, we give you thanks. We ask God that you would bless these people here in this house. That we would take a deep breath that we would let go of more and start seeing already. We give you thanks, O God. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's children shout. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.